Hello everybody and welcome to a new season of Straight Talking English. We are on episode 3, season 5, 20th century season. So, coming at you with the British class system. Today, my name is Catherine. I am your host as ever. SDR8 Talk English, straighttalkingenglish.co.uk slash books. You can buy my books, which go along with each series. The book for this one will hopefully be out soon in the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed. Or forward slash support the show. If you want to drop me a little donation, they are all very much appreciated. Right. People tend to drop middle class, upper class, working class, drop it like it's hotcakes in in spectacles writing. And I get it. I get it. This is a play about class, among other things. So let's do a quick definition first, right? Working class, the only way you get your money is through your job. Broadly, right? So most of us today will get our money through having a job, getting paid for it. I mean, some people, maybe you get money from renting out a property or something. But most people, you get a job, you get your money, pays your bills. Yeah. Middle class, you've got the money from your labour, but also the money that comes from other sources, your profit. So Mr. Berling, classic example, he must work hard at his works. He must be an active businessman to have a successful business. He gets the profits from his business, but also like his own salary. Upper class, we're talking about the landed gentry, the nobility, people of title who will get money from what they own. They don't necessarily have to have a job. Obviously, if you want more money, have a job. Yeah, cool. But you don't have to. If you're like a lord, someone, someone, you're going to get your money from your estates. You're going to get money from your rent. That's where it stands in Edwardian times. And it's broadly the same today. Day. people say that England is a class-driven society and I want to say yeah to that I want to say yeah so I included this anecdote in my book actually but honestly I think about it quite a lot so I was having dinner with my partner and his parents at a restaurant and my father-in-law said why were you so intimidated when you first met us and part of me wanted to be like well I'm in love with your son and I kind of want you to like me but I didn't say say that i had to think about the class system here so my in-laws are very well off my father-in-law was an architect for many years built up his own business from nothing and now is retired and they live a very nice comfortable life my partner works as a software engineer in the city of london and i would say earns about three times as much as a teacher my family on the other hand uh my grandparents lived in slums actual victorian slums and we growing up we never had any money it was properly like you know wait for payday i used to know my parents paydays were wait for payday to get like new shoes and stuff and i'm not ashamed of that it's more a case of in the uk i could see why my in-laws would disapprove of me why would their nice son who went to private school who's got this great job why would he want to hang around with a trash person who can say like when my family came to this country with nothing which i can legitimately say and i sometimes bring that one out actually i was trying to explain it to my father-in-law in kind of a run down like a run down way like let me break it down for you sir but because 
this family aren't British. They had no idea what I was talking about. And I was trying to explain, like, you know, you can see the difference between, you know, yourselves and, like, a street sweeper. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm, like, a street sweeper kind of person. And they're like, so? And I I honestly went round and round and round in circles trying to explain, like, I would expect you to disapprove of me. I would expect you to, like, aim higher for your son than me. (laughs) And it just generally confused them. And I was thinking about this, like, Do we live in a classless society? So, as I mentioned, brought up firmly working class, but I've been to, like, two Russell Group universities. I know my way around stuff. And I was teaching a private student who, like, serious, like, Chelsea address, cash, cash, bucks. And his mum was incredibly surprised that I'd been to Michelin-starred restaurants. And I have, because I like food. It's tasty. And she's really surprised that I write with um, my special pen i have a very expensive fountain pen that i got given as a present which is a beautiful beautiful writing instrument i use it all the time i was really surprised that i lived this way and i'm like like, what 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 because i have this mockney accent i don't know what i'm talking about and i don't know who you are listening maybe you are thinking to yourself you know what i'm quite middle class um i have quite a lot of privilege maybe you're thinking to yourself oh you know what? i identify with working class maybe you're sitting there in your castle in your country estate sipping some champagne eating caviar and thinking well the upper class is a fabulous but we do still have this today we can't isolate the classes today it's not like this is a thing that just comes up in an inspector calls this is still our lived reality so let's break down our characters by class so gerald's parents are sir george and lady croft his mum is from an old country family quotes which means they are probably the aristocracy they're probably hereditary landowners this could mean they're very wealthy but it might not and there's a massive difference between like someone who owns all of a county and someone who owns like three fields but we're assuming they are wealthy they're in this position of status but they could just have been middle class as well sir gerald sir george croft could have been knighted or his family could have been knighted. A lot of the people who were given knighthoods at this point, slightly before 1912, assuming that, like, his dad's older, not really a big surprise, go to people who either served in the imperial administration in India or military officers. So it's plausible that even though his mum is an aristocrat, his dad could have been from the same background and just you know governed over half of india in a fairly awful fashion it could be that they are only slightly down the uh, down the road i put this on twitter actually and a lot of people have disagreed with me and said that when burling says oh it's just a knighthood that proves that they have a hereditary title which makes them more prestigious than the burlings even though he got a not even though he was gonna get a knighthood but it doesn't necessarily it could mean he's assumed 
that because they're wealthy, they're upper class. And also, there may not be that much of a difference between their living standards. So yeah, we know that Burling's middle class. Cool. But there is a great difference between upper and lower middle class. I'm going to refer you to J.B. Priestley here. Now just imagine I'm reading this as a New Yorkshire accent like a grumpy old man. Using both my direct experience. Yeah, I can't do accents. But as I mentioned a few episodes ago, he wrote this book called The Edwardians, which basically just tells us stuff, which is brilliant. He says, using both my direct experience and what I have learned since, I shall now divide the Edwardian middle class into two, the upper and lower. The finer shades between them really can be ignored. On the other hand, I must insist there is a wider range of income and styles of life in the Edwardian upper middle class and in the lower. The range extended from quite large homes in which six or seven servants might be employed down to detached villas with small gardens, whose owners would not have more than three servants. The men concerned might have private incomes or be successful manufacturers, merchants, he means like businessmen, solicitors, physicians or surgeons with a first class practice, property owners or speculators. He means like share traders. The wives did no real housework, just a little dusting in the drawing room and some flower arrangements. They were never found in the kitchen except when ordering the meals. Most of the sons went to minor public schools and then might or might not reach a university. Some of the girls might be sent away to boarding school, perhaps even to the famous one at Cheltenham. But most of them were educated rather sketchily somewhere in the neighbourhoods and then stayed at home, helping mummy in the garden, making sure that exciting new young man saw them at the tennis club. Now, this group, the upper middle class, is about 90% of those who were called themselves middle class at that point. And they, we know the Burlings have definitely got Edna the maid, but it's reasonable they might have a gardener, they might have a cook, they might have other servants going on. But we also have the lower middle class, right? These are people who, a generation ago, were ordinary workers. And through hard work and a bit of luck, were able to live in a similar fashion to their social superiors, including employing maybe a servant, living in a nicer house. And this leads to a bit of fear and tension. So the upper middle classes, there's always this nervousness, your reputation, your wealth could be lost somehow. But if you're in the lower middle class, your fear is that you're going to end up back in the same situation as your family like your older generations and lose what you'd worked so hard for make one mistake and you're back in that grind that is what your family escaped from like I get that I get that like at the moment I'm gonna be honest in terms of my life I'm doing quite well financially compared to like most other people who I meet who have nice things but like I'm a typical millennial I actually have a savings account now which is amazing and if I want to buy a new pair of shoes I can but there is always this fear that I don't know my day job will dry up or I don't know it'll become illegal for teenagers to have education or something and then it's going to be back to when I was a university student and broke and trying to make 30 quid last a week this is 
a relatable fear. It's also where Priestley is coming from. So Priestley's dad, and I'm going to talk about him a little bit more next week when I do my bio. His dad was a teacher and Priestley said, even my father, a very different type, intelligent, brave, public spirited, could not altogether escape the infection simply because he too had emerged, not without self-discipline and sacrifice, from a working class background. Priestley's grandfather was illiterate, or the first generation to come to the cities to seek work. His dad, through hard work and being a smart guy, had got himself into a white-collar job as being, being a teacher. I think he was a head teacher, but I will check that. And it's this, like, nervousness. Like, oh, it's all going to go a bit wrong. Everything is quite precarious. You're also very dependent on market forces, which can cause a business to fault. Let's say you are in the business of making horse-drawn carriages. Well, you know, people are buying cars. After a while, there's going to be no demand for that. And then you're going to end up back where you were. On the other hand, when a new railway is opened people a really really iconic speech is made this guy tj green points out that the world is improving and of all the classes the middle class are going to be the most adaptable the upper class are going to be to a certain extent reliant always on their land wealth and reliant on having tenants the working class are going to do whatever needs to be done but the middle class can follow the improvements which are happening tj green says as members of a vast commercial enterprise he actually said a vast like a pirate ship we know the great advantages arriving from the cheap and rapid interchange of industrial produce the minerals and manufacturers of this country the prosperity and happiness that result from it and as members of this enlightened community, we must feel how the cause of morality is advanced, how science is promoted and how society improves by the quick and easy communication that afforded between its members. Yeah, life is good. Life is getting better, especially if you're middle class. People's incomes are rising. You can go on holiday. Like, you can go to the seaside. This is the point where we have people living in the suburbs and working in the city we have a gap between work and home the big thing people are into is reading magazines and the news and this is probably where berlin gets his views from the daily mail had 900,000 readers express 425,000 the daily chronicle uh, 400,000 the daily news 320,000 these people the villa conservatives the more right-wing tory members of the middle class were among the readers of a sheaf of new weekly magazines that provide a potpourri of politics reviews and illustrated serials and short stories blended to appeal to middle brown tastes people are getting a little bit happier and people are getting a little bit more political but the majority of the population about 75 percent of people at this point are working class you don't have any investments to offer you money only what your own labor can provide liza picard the historian points out the working class is actually divided into three layers the lowest are working men or labourers. Then above that is the intelligent artisan and above him is the educated working man. But it's not always that tidy, right? So let's say someone's a carpenter. They might be an absolute 
expert carpenter making serious cash bucks employing apprentices but they'll never be considered middle class someone who's still in that same category of an intelligent artisan might only be paying their rent and when i was younger i went to quite a nice middle class um comprehensive which is a little way from where i actually lived um and i i got quite self-conscious because of my pronounced accent and the fact that i didn't have nice things and my mum always said we might be common but we are educated catherine <laughs> it's true it's this point of pride like educated artisans eva smith would be in the lowest category she would be a working person because she's just a laborer her job is not very skilled it doesn't pay very well but the inspector is the top end of the working class his job demands respect he's a police officer but he's not like a police captain he's not like a commissioner he's still just an inspector he would not have money outside as eva smith finds out employment is kind of precarious if you lose your job you're just like straight up into complete poverty we are not in a situation where there is unemployment benefit this is what you get <laughs> it's kind of awful this is where charles booth has the amazing poverty maps revealing like a third of london lives in these atrocious poverty stricken like horrible houses but we are not talking about like oliver twist please sir can i have some more let's all head to the workhouse and have gruel edwardian working class are organized we are literate we are active and this is when the first trade unions come about from the end of the 1880s we have people fired up by economic depression social awareness the spread of socialist ideas coming together to form trade unions we also have as a result strikes london gas workers in 1988 we have the dockers in just down the road from where i'm living actually the dockers aiming for sixpence an hour but we have the brian and may match girls and i am gonna come back to them because they are so fascinating the match women strike brian and may match girls trade unionism caters for the unskilled and the poorly paid it's easy to join the contributions are really low the role of a union is active. We're going to win improvements from employers by industrial action rather than just look after people when things are bad. The number of workers involved in disputes in 1905 was 93,000 and went up to a million in 1912. This is a big deal priestly himself coming from this sort of working classy sort of middle classy background had met people from upper and lower classes when he was serving in the first world war he also mixed with lots of different types in bradford and of course after the war he went to cambridge and met the finest of folks what he wanted was this whole class system this system of deference which was already a little bit shaky 
after the people's budget, as I mentioned in the first episode, David Lloyd George, her fabulous, fabulous mustachioed Welshman Prime Minister, had successfully argued that the House of Lords could not veto the House of Commons legislation and established the very first system of benefits with higher taxes on the upper classes. This is where we have this erosion of class coming in and what Priestley wanted was a shake-up of this system of deference. Things are not just decided by your birth. They're not just, your life is not set forward in one course just because your mum and dad have a bit of money. Things can change. Coming back to our socialism, this should be regulated by the community. We should not have people dying of starvation in a world of poverty. We should have the community regulating this. And in a certain extent, trade unionism, socialism is one way of doing that. One section of society is coming forward and checking this. But it needs to come from all areas. So take away from this what you will. This is not necessarily a play about class, but it's a play in which class and the dismissal of other classes of assumptions about class are challenged in which assumptions about class are shown to be not necessarily entirely correct or useful we dismiss eva as oh a girl of that soul but she actually has this really pivotal role I am going to return to this. This is just like my overview of class. When we get into specific characters, I'm coming back to this again and again. Spiral season. And I shall leave it there. Thank you very, very much for listening. I am SCRA Talk English on Twitter, straighttalkenglish.co.uk. I am Catherine. And I'll be coming back next week to tell you a little bit about the life of J.B. Priestley. Mm-hmm.